So we've just uh, read the uh, recited the Heart Sutra, and uh, in my talk today, I try and simplify that sutra, hopefully a little bit in what I've got to say. Um, but I want to start by uh, talking about. the way in which human development leads naturally from um, the growth of the child into an adult and, uh, and then if you like the growth of the adult as a, a baby being into, into realizing our self-nature or recognizing our true self. A lot of spiritual teachers these days are using the metaphor of growing up and waking up to summarize those two paths and how they come together. I mean, it's logical that the, the growing up part of our development is the grounding for the waking up part. Um, but sometimes um, some people can maybe have quite profound waking up experiences uh, and may not quite have grown up and, uh, and vice versa we often find ourselves growing up but maybe not waking up so often the, the developmental path ends in adulthood where we launch ourselves off into independence for those of us who make it into independence. And even in independence, we recognize our dependency on each other intelligently, hopefully. Sometimes, as you probably come across in, in the literature, um, people uh, may have uh, had some profound waking up experiences but uh, may have bypassed some of the emotional work of growing up which sometimes you get those paradoxical stories of spiritual teachers um, having problems with sexuality or alcohol Part of this talk too, I want to also, from my perspective, uh, my experience, the the waking up is um, is is gradually, is usually for me anyway, from my experience, a gradual and subtle process, and um, one can wake up without necessarily having all the the colourful firework experiences of some of the reports you get of people who've had sudden kinds of realizations. So in the, in the, development, uh, the developmental story of becoming an adult, um, one of the um, most important developmental theories is attachment theory. And uh, so many of you would have come across attachment theory. 
and um, often des described as the circle of security. So, the child, the, um, when it uh, begins to develop and uh, reaches a point where it uh, can also start to move a little bit independently, um, it starts to explore the world uh, eventually. And uh, prior to that, of course, the child is very symbiotically bond bonded with the mother or the caregiver, usually the mother. But at a certain point, um, the child's curiosity takes over. Given the, uh, the good enough attachment that's being formed, when the child starts to explore the world, And if something happens to frighten the child or if the child hurts herself or himself in some way, he returns back to the secure base of the mother. This is the circle of security. Exploration and return. Exploration and return. And um, if, if the base that the child returns to is sensitive enough and responsive enough and consistent enough and the child develops confidence in, in the world, develops a basic trust formed in the attachment and has a basic sense of trust that is formed in venturing out to the world. And over time, this becomes the foundation of what's called uh, secure attachment in an adult. And um, so, as we go through adolescence and, and launch ourselves into adulthood, um, we no longer turn to our parents for comfort and security. We've developed a certain stability within ourselves. But as human beings, uh, we are naturally wired when things are difficult and we're in some form of physical pain or sickness or ill health or if we're frightened or anxious, um, we seek, naturally seek some kind of comfort from our primary attachment figure. So that's why as adults we form adult relationships. And, um, we bond with our adult partners and hopefully we can both play that, uh, that secure base to each other. And um, so that's where a developmental theory that you'll find in the most psychological textbooks sort of ends. Um, but in the, uh, from a, uh, a more spiritual dimension, uh, there is still another developmental stage to go, and, uh, and that is the, uh, the recognition or realization of our true selves. Um, because as we grow up as children and adolescents and adults, we, we are raised in a culture, like most cultures in the world. <laughs> which uh, we are conditioned into duality 
And we're all conditioned into the experiencing ourselves uh, as, a, as a subject in here and there are objects out there. That's the experience of the separate self. In our ordinary mind school, we talk about the self-centered self. The self-centered self is the separate self. The separate self is a fiction that is created as we grow up. And it identifies through feelings and thoughts, beginning with the body. The child at a very, I think, approximately 18 months recognizes itself in the mirror and starts to identify itself as this body. And that becomes the foundation then for the identification of the ego with other aspects, with feelings, thoughts, family, nation state, ideology, etc. So the next stage of development, spiritual stage of development, is the realization of non-duality, the realization of the illusionary or fictional nature of separateness. And that's where, in a way, um, a relationship, uh, the spiritual teacher and the relationship between a teacher and a student is important, not always necessary, but often very helpful. So in the, in the same way that the parent uh, raises the child and gives the child uh, a basic security of attachment, the role of the teacher is to work with the student over a number of years so that the student also realizes or recognizes their true self. That's often even there's a little um, story in Zen where the, the metaphor is used of the of the student of the of the teacher uh, um, like a mother hen pecking on the egg that the student is encased within uh, just trying to I mean the um, awakening is something we all have to do ourselves but uh, no, nobody can do it for you. Um, but sometimes um, in the Zen tradition, sometimes through words that the teacher might say at a particular point or even gestures, uh, just tapping on the egg so that eventually the, the student, the, the egg breaks and then that misses the ego, the ego identification, the, the separate self. And in the same way that uh, uh, we find a secure base in our attachment to our parents and then to our partners, once we have this recognition of our true self, the true self can also um, provide this sense of uh, profound security, that can't, the kind of security that can't come from money or houses 
or even partners sometimes, because even if we love our partner dearly, we know that eventually our partner may die, or sometimes our partner may leave us. And uh, so in the end, the, uh, the recognition of our true self provides the only security in one way that we can ever experience. Now the way in which um, there's a nice little story that illustrates the way in which attachment uh, security um, as a child is communicated by a parent. Um, so there's a like five-year-old girl uh, wakes up in the middle of the night and uh, she runs into her mum's bedroom and. Uh, and snuggles up to her mum and she's very frightened and she, because she believes there's a tiger under her bed and she's very convinced that there's a tiger under her bed and mum of course uh, cuddles the child and talks to the child for five or ten minutes and you know, reassures the child and the child eventually drops off to sleep again What, what effect did that child relaxing again and becoming secure? Not necessarily the words that the, parent, that the mother spoke. The mother may have given some kind of rational explanation, like that, you know, tigers don't exist in Australia and it's okay. Um, but really, fundamentally, what the mother communicates to the child directly transmits to the child is her own fearlessness. And it's genuine, because you know, the mother is obviously not afraid of the tiger, because the tigers don't exist in her bedroom anyway. And that's the, the modeling or the non-verbal non communication that is transmitted to the child. Most attachment communication is non-verbal. And in the, uh, the psychological literature these days, they talk about right brain to right brain communication, right brain being the emotional center. And um, so, in a way, um, you know, the mother lends her fearlessness to the child, and the child understands that even though she may not be able to articulate that, but there's something about that experience of communication that the child picks up and relaxes. In, in, in the same way, um, in a, in a teacher-student relationship, the, the communication is not always just what the words of the teacher says. Um, but again, it's what's communicated non-verbally. And um, what the teacher is trying to transmit to the student is this
realization that everything is okay. That the true self, once we recognize that, fear will dissolve. The fear of the separate self, however that manifests as adults, whether it manifests as I'm not good enough, or whether it manifests as financial insecurity, or whether it manifests as anxiety about growing old. Now, to try and bring this back to the, uh, the uh, Heart Sutra, um, the, the true self that we're talking about is not far away. It's not some mystical thing. When we, we use sometimes these kinds of words like wisdom beyond wisdom, The word prajna, wisdom, the word prajna, Sanskrit, wisdom beyond wisdom, simply refers to that which is awake. And that which is awake is simply awareness. Are you aware right now? Are you aware right now? Mm. How do you know you're aware right now? Because it's a different sense of the you when I'm aware to the ordinary. How do you know you're? What are you? Uh, what are you aware of right now, Brendan? Of bringing and everything around me. You know, you were talking about that that other self that. You're talking about your true self. True self is just awareness. Oh, okay. So you're using two terms for the same word. Yeah. So we, we get caught up in our, our, you know, the little self, the ego self, this, the narrative self, the, the feelings and thoughts which go with that. Everything which arises in our awareness is conditioned, you know, every, everything that arises is changing. When we sit, we hear the sounds coming and going, thoughts coming and going, changing constantly. All these objects of experience have all changed throughout the years. What we may have thought and felt today, we felt differently yesterday. What we're going to think and feel in the future will be different. What we see or taste might be different from what we tasted in the past. So the one constant that remains in all of that is our awareness. The awareness that we have now is the same awareness that we had when we were five years old. The awareness that I have, you have. In the be still, no, I am. The I just there is referring to the experience of being aware. Unlike the little I, which gets identified with I am Vreni, I am Andrew, I am a teacher. 
I am poor, I am male, female. Awareness has no gender, no age. All the words in the Heart Sutra, and this is the heart, when attention often, usually, goes outwards, externally, to focus on something. But when we allow our attention to return to its source, that's the heart, Sutra, source, source of awareness, nameless. The knowing of awareness is the knowing of not knowing. It's not conceptual, not conceptual knowing. Awareness is just the simple knowing of the breeze on your cheek, the sound of the sea. That's wisdom, that's, that's prajna. Awareness is not born, it never dies. It's free of the nose, it's free of the eye. The senses that we experience arise in awareness. And awareness is also free of time. It's neither of the present, past or future just the eternal now. It's not hidden. It's so simple. It's invisible. That's why so many stories talk about this treasure that everybody has but nobody sees. in stillness, it gives us the opportunity to experience that intimacy of awareness. We touch it. We get to know it. And over time, there's a gradual shift from identification with our little eye is realizing ourselves as big I. So it's in the big I that we find that sense of spiritual secure base, if you like. It doesn't alter the fact that we're still human beings and we still have all the needs that mammals have and we still enjoy cuddling up to our partners and we still enjoy affection and we still enjoy music and laughter and celebration and walking on the beach, of course. But it just adds that extra dimension of dimensionlessness. Awareness has no dimensions. It's free of space and time. You can rest there. That's the refuge in Buddhism and other traditions as well.
that's where I'll finish the, for today.